Well, good morning, everyone. We serve a God who is able and faithful to walk through and carry us through whatever we're going through. And so let's uh, stand together and worship him.
A quote from A.W. Tozer. 
And it says, with the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, the wisdom of God to plan it, and the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? Surely we are the most favored of all creatures. And God has poured out his favor upon us, Northside, and it is great to be in the house of the Lord. It's an exciting day for many reasons, and we'll share some of that in a little bit. But before we continue, would you take a moment and welcome those around you? Stay, stay with us, yes? Go to mommy, babe. Go to mommy. Go around the other way. To your seats, and you may be seated. Well, good morning. It is an exciting day in the house of the Lord. I can just sense your energy. So I praise the Lord for that. Uh, I know we have several visitors for the first time this morning. We are thrilled uh, to have you with us. Um, we would love to know that you're here. There's a couple ways you can do that. One is in the bulletin. Uh, there's a little welcome note to you, and there's a QR code that you can scan with your camera on your phone and fill out some information about yourself. Um, if you're like, that's too technological for me, I would just rather have a piece of paper to fill out. Uh, you'll see some ladies out there um, at the welcome desk after the service. Uh, if they haven't already got you on the way in, we have just a small gift for you just to say thank you for being here. Uh, we would really appreciate if you would take some time to fill that out so we can um, know how to pray for you. There's a place for you to list some prayer needs if there's a way that our church can be praying for you. So we're excited about that. Please, please do me a huge favor. If you didn't get a bulletin on your way in, get one and read it. Because there's a lot of stuff that's coming up that we want you to be aware of. We have a quarterly conference tonight. Uh, Women of Northside have a big event coming up this Friday, March 4th at 6.30. So there's a couple things I need you to do, ladies. Number one, I need you to sign up on your way out. The sign-up sheet is out there. Number two, I need you to come. This is a challenge from your pastor to you ladies, women. We want you to be here um, because a couple reasons. One, in March, we're starting a Bible study. That's actually going to start this Wednesday for women at 6 o'clock. And men, you're also going to have a Bible study at 6 o'clock for the month of March. But there's also a really new, exciting ministry opportunity for you ladies that has been shared with me, and I'm thrilled about it. 
And I want every single one of you to be a part of that. And you'll learn more about that on March 4th. So make sure you're a part of that. Um, if you have questions about the Bible study, it's in there. Our seniors are going to take a trip to Seabreeze. We need you to sign up for that. Um, as well. And then you'll also see a save the date about church directory. We'll talk more about that tonight in the church conference and also next week, but we are going to finally do an updated church directory. Um, Ms. Kelsey's going to take those photos and we're going to put it together ourselves. So there's a lot of new faces here in the last couple years. And so we want to be able to learn names. And so we're excited um, about that. Uh, as most of you know, today's an exciting day in the life of the church. Uh, because at the end of the service, we're going to vote on uh, whether to call Gary as our new associate pastor of students and families. I'll say more about that prior to him coming to preach, but he's going to be preaching this morning. So if you're visiting with us, it's an exciting Sunday for you to be here because uh, it's an exciting time in the life of our church. But before we continue, um, there's something I want to share with you, a video that I found. So everyone in here, unless you live under a rock, is aware of what's going on in Ukraine and the war that has now been brought upon them through Russia invading them. And look, this is not the place to get political, talking about what do we do, what should our response be. But there's a video that I came across of. Now, this video was back in December, so this was prior to the invasion, but I have no doubt this same house church is doing the same thing this morning. So I came across this video. It's about 30 seconds. So I just want to share that with you. So if you'll hit play, Alex. So they were singing a song written by the Gettys, Keith and Kristen Getty. And here's the words that they were singing. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. This morning I read where a pastor last night was preparing and studying to preach this morning. And he didn't get much sleep. And he said, as long as our church building is still there, we will gather and we will worship, and I will preach. Man, I thought, what excuse do we have not to gather with the people of God? That if in the midst of war, our brothers and sisters are going to gather to sing, Jesus Christ, no matter what comes, will hold me fast. So I just thought it appropriate this morning that we just go on behalf of just people that God has made in Ukraine, war surrounding them, many of them grieving the loss of family, friends, siblings, children, but also to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that they will continue to hold fast because they know Jesus is holding fast to them. Uh, so let's pray. Father, God, this morning we gather, and yes, it's a rainy, yucky day, but here we are in a place with electricity and lights and a sound system that works, and God, peace. Yes, we know there's a lot of things going on in our life. 
difficult, hard things. But God, there's things that we don't have to be concerned about this morning. That our brothers and sisters and just people, God, your creation in general are having to deal with. Father, we pray. God, to be honest, I don't even know how to pray. There's a lot of things that I want to pray. Lord, I, I pray that this, this will cease, this senseless act of war and terror that was brought upon this country. Lord, it will cease. God, I pray for peace. I pray for comfort. Lord, I pray for families that are grieving. Uh, Lord, I, I'm, I'm thankful for those who are standing up for their freedom and willing, Lord, to say, look, we, we want to stand for democracy. Lord, we're thankful for the democracy that we have here in this country. Lord, I'm also thankful for the country that we live in. God, it's not perfect. But Lord, it is a beautiful place. The greatest place to live on, on this earth. Lord, we have so many freedoms. But God, my concern is some of those freedoms have led to a complacency among us as believers. So God, I pray that you would stir within our heart a passion and a desire for the gospel, Lord, that maybe has been lacking. Lord, that we would understand that church should not just be this optional thing that we work into our schedule, but it should be the very part of our life, gathering with brothers and sisters in Christ, serving one another, worshiping our God together. Lord, you are you're worthy, and, and we praise you for that. God, just be with those people. Be with those people today, Lord. That's what we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I also want to do one more thing before we sing. So a week and a half ago, Curtis and Ann celebrated 19 years of ministry here at Northside. So I, I failed to mention that last week, but I just want you all to know how much we love you and we're thankful for you and thankful you all are back with us. You ready to worship? If you'll stand, let's sing together.
Thank you very much, choir. All right, so it's the last Sunday of the month. So whenever we have the last Sunday of the month, our younger kids, so our pre-K kids, they have children's church, but our kindergarten through second, you're going to stay in here. But at this time, our pre-K, you all can make your way uh, out to children's church. And then as soon as the service is over, parents, we're going to send you to get your kids before we go into our business meeting that we'll need to have. So pre-K, you can head uh, that way. So as I mentioned earlier, if you're not aware, today's an exciting day. So since May, um, the church has been without an associate pastor of students. Uh, the committee was formed, and we've been meeting and praying. And so as we've shared over the last couple of weeks, the, the associate pastor search committee is unanimous in believing that Gary Isaacs, who's going to come and preach in just a moment, is the man that God has brought to Northside and his family. And so we've had, you've had plenty of opportunities this weekend to get to meet him. And so this morning we want you to hear from him. But hear me. What we really want is for you to hear from God. Because as he opens God's word, as he preaches from God's word, we want you to listen to the spirit of God as the spirit of God speaks to our hearts. And then so after the service... Uh, if you've been in church long enough, you know we'll go into a business meeting and we will vote to call him or not to be the next associate pastor of students. So, uh, Gary, when you come, if you'll just introduce your family to, to everybody. Um, but before he comes, let me just pray for him and pray for us. Oh, living God, my prayer this weekend over and over and over has been that we will hear from you, that we will hear and listen to your voice. God, the voice that we'll physically hear this morning is, is Gary's. He'll be the one teaching and preaching and opening the scripture. But Father, everything he has to say, we believe God is a word that you've given him straight from the inspired and errant authoritative word of God. So God, speak. Through the, if, there's, if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, may they be saved. Anybody struggling with an addiction, may they be set free. Anybody just feeling hopeless or helpless, may they come to know the hope that is in Christ, the help that comes only from God. Father, we are excited. We are eager and anxious, Lord, about the future here at Northside and how this family will have a huge part to play in that. So, God, give us wisdom, give us discernment, give us ears to hear. Give us a heart that will respond for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Northside, would you welcome Gary this morning? Good morning. Good morning. You got me? All right. Let me first introduce you to my family. Uh, sitting over here, second row, is my wonderful wife, Ruth. We've been married for 10 years, and uh, my eldest daughter, we have four girls in the yellow dress. She's waving and making sure nobody sees her. That's Lily over there, and next to her is Katie, uh, Catherine, uh, and then it's Zoe, the one that's putting up her nose right now, and then Penny, who's absolutely not paying attention at all. But if you have a copy of God's Word, can you turn in your Bible to Philippians? Philippians chapter 1. I'll be reading from the 
English Standard Version. I'll be reading Philippians chapter 1. We'll be reading from verse 3 through verse 11. Let's read from God's Word. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is a a sermon about prayer. We often don't turn to letters of Paul when it comes to the subject of prayer. But prayer is very important in the life of a Christian. Um, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, he had a definition when it came to prayer. And I just want to read it, because not many people speak like this today. Have you got me? All right. John Bunyan defines prayer as a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ in strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit for such things as God has promised or according to the word for the good of the church with submission in faith to the will of God. We tend to think prayer is us talking to God. In the Lord's Prayer, we would recite, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I mean, I've watched and seen too many sports events where people would take a knee, and that would be the prayer that they would recite. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's the prayer that they would recite. But God is our creator. In fact, in the scriptures, he's referred to as the great king. How we approach him is significantly important. So we should be thoughtful in the way we pray. Today we're working through Paul, how Paul prays and what Paul prays for. And it is not just a one model fits it all prayer. Because as you go through his letters, you'll see that there are many models that Paul deals with as he prays. So Paul doesn't say you need to pray like me, but he, in this he gives four ways disciples, followers of Jesus should pray, and four things that they can pray for. In this letter, he gives us a pattern that we ought to follow. So, how should we pray? And sometimes Paul, in his letters, he's been pretty harsh when it comes to dealing with these churches that he had to deal with, like the Galatians. He actually called them out. 
He called them deserters of the faith because they had abandoned the gospel. But when Paul writes to the Philippians, although he encourages humility and unity, he has lots of things to be grateful for because of them, because of the things that they have are providing him, not just financial aid, but the many wonderful things that he has in the history of the church. So how should we pray? Verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you. I remember you. So what is, he, what is he grateful for? What is he thankful for? Well, when Paul first got to Philippi, there was no church. There were no Christians. If you go to Acts chapter 16, you will see that there was no church. There were no Christians. He is met by an entrepreneur by the name of Lydia, who was a merchant of purple cloths, very wealthy woman. He goes on to meet a jailer. He goes on to meet a demon-possessed girl. He goes on to meet, eventually, a Christian helper in Epaphroditus. He goes on to meet Iodia and Sinsuke. These key figures form the church in Philippi. And those key figures go on to plant more churches in the areas of Philippi. This letter isn't just for one church. These letters went along to the other churches. These Philippians that he remembers, that he is thankful for, grateful for, supported Paul. One of the few churches that did, small churches, supported him. They even sent Epaphrodites, they even sent one of their own, their small congregation, they sent one of their own to support and comfort and care for Paul while he was in prison. So as you can see, Paul has plenty of reasons to be grateful. I mean, if you can just think about it, Paul writing in prison. It wouldn't have been easy for him to sit, it would have been easy for him, for if, if I would have thought about it, to sit around and feel sorry for yourself. You're not in a place where you wanted to be, but he's grateful, he's thankful for what God has provided for him in that Philippian community. I mean, when I pray, it's so easy for me to immediately launch into a list of prayers, things I need, things I need for this day, for this week, for this year. I know exactly what I have in my mind, things I know I need. Heavenly Father, would you help me get my work done? Would you grow Northside Baptist Church? Would you fix a difficult relationship by changing them, not me? I mean, let me ask this question. What if in our prayers we started with gratitude first? Heavenly Father, thank you for the work you gave me to this point. Thank you for Northside and those coming to Northside. Thank you for the people you have placed in my life to make me more like Christ. I mean, I want you to just recall in your mind the prayers you've prayed and, and the requests you've made in, in the last day. How you've prayed that, God, I need something. I, I really, really need something. Praying our need is a good thing because we need him. But can you now silently pray the same request in a form of a thank you? Thank you, Father, that I have just the right amount of money that I need to trust you. Thank you, Father, for my health problems so that I get to look forward to the resurrected body you have for me. Thank you, Father, for the difficult relationship I have because it's making me more and more like Christ. 
we need to pray with a grateful heart, a grateful disposition. But secondly, verse 4 and 5, joyfully is how we should pray. In verse 4, Paul says, I always pray with joy in, in my every prayer for all of you. And then in verse 5, he explains, because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Joy is a major theme in this book. And Paul is joyful, happy, because the Philippians have participated with him in believing and in preaching the gospel. And this word, participation, is the same word for fellowship that you might have read. I mean, when we come together as a church, we tend to use that word very loosely, to fellowship. When Paul's using it here, it is believing and preaching and proclaiming of the gospel. This fellowship in the early church, we read in Acts chapter 2 what the early church did when it comes to fellowshipping. They would sell property, sell possessions, so that there was no one in need. That's how they fellowshiped. The Philippians are all are willing to give up everything to help Paul proclaim Christ to the world. And it makes Paul joyful. Have you ever had someone tell you, you know, don't worry, be happy? I mean, how does that, how well does that work? I mean, we can't tell someone to feel joy when you pray and expect it to just happen, like a light switch. But we can feel joy. Like Paul, let's put ourselves in his shoes for a moment as we look around at each other. Let's, let's feel joy because of each other's dedication to the gospel. Now, this might sound very far and very weird, what, what I'm going to say. But I want you to just think. And, this, and when I say young, I don't necessarily mean kindergartners or teenagers. So for any of you, when I say young people who love and obey the Lord and want to know and how to serve God... That should bring you joy when you see it, when they're serving the Lord, when, when your neighbor comes to saving faith, when your friends come to a saving faith and you see that faith in obedience and in, in love and in faith, when you see your spouse loving you as Christ loved the church, it should fill you with joy. And how about those of us sharing the gospel with friends and family members and friends on our front lines. And I want you to just take a moment and think of the partnerships that you, that Northside has with, with missionaries across the world. And it might not just be connected with the church. It might be people that you know that serve on the, on the mission field. But I also want you to think of the ministries here at Northside. Think of the volunteers, the ministry teams, kids choir, people reaching their unreached people groups in this community. Be joyful in prayer because of the participation in the gospel. That same work God had worked in your heart through the gospel that brought you from darkness into life, to light, God is working out in this community right now. Thirdly, we are to pray confidently. Verse 6. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to pray, not like, but like God is at work. Because God is at work. 
I mean, I want you to just think of this. Paul, uh, the Lord had set apart the church in Philippi about 50 AD. And that work continued into 60 AD when Paul wrote this letter. God was faithful for that period. Even today, Macedonia is now today the country of Greece. And if you go look at all the different groups that give you statistics of what the evangelical rate is in Greece, it is about the same as what it was. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but God is still at work in that country. God is still at work there. If God brought us as a church into being, He will keep that work going. There is nothing that life or circumstances can throw at us that will destroy God's work here in Noonan. This town, the surrounding area, suffered through a tornado about a year ago. They were faced with a number of tornadoes, but God is still at work. It did not, it might have destroyed buildings, it did not destroy fellowships. Pray like God is at work in us, and like God is at work in you. The Transcontinental Railroad took six years to build. Some of those days when the going was good, the track flew down mile after mile across the plains. But other days, the construction crews ran into the Sierra Nevada mountains. And, the, and they literally had to take hammer and chisel and pound a, th- a three-quarter inch hole four feet deep into the rock face, pack it with explosives, and blow a few feet further into the tunnel. Now, in our illustration, we are not the miners. We're the, we're the train for this illustration. We're the caboose. Day after day, God is laying your track, Christian. God is leading your life forward. Some days you'll rush ahead and life will be easy, and other days you'll have to patiently wait on God as He moves your life forward in Him inch by inch. God made the mountains. He did. He can take you through them. Because God is at work. We can pray gratefully, Joyfully, confidently, and fourthly, affectionately. Verses 7 and 8. Paul says it is right for him to feel this way about all of you because he has them in his heart. And so it doesn't matter if he's imprisoned in chains because they're sharing in God's grace with him. And then in verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you with affection of Christ Jesus. This word affection. This is the same kind of language when we tend to say, I love you with all my heart. It's that, that word. In, in, in this context, they didn't really say with all their heart, you know, because that wasn't the center of their affection. Their bowels was their center of affection. Because Paul wanted to illustrate, he loved them from deep within. Deep within. Deep affection. When we begin to pray for people, what does it do? Prayer engages our hearts. It helps us care about each other. As we pray, let's ask God to grow our affection, our feelings, our love, our hearts for those people we're praying for. So when we pray for each other in church, 
in Sunday school classes, through prayer networks, those are moments we can cultivate the love in our hearts for each other. It is not just a few people's responsibilities in this community to pray for each other. And don't rush through them as there are shopping lists that we need to tick off and tick through and speed through so that we can make it just in time to watch the next show. So how should we pray? Gratefully, joyfully, confidently, and affectionately pray as if God is at work. But how? But Sorry, but what should we pray for? Verse 9. Verse 9, we should pray for love. And this, verse 9, it says, And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul prays with love that they would grow in their love for God and each other. We see in Ephesians, in other of Paul's letter, in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 13, Paul encourages the church to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. And if we look at the theme in Philippians, humility, unity, and joy, I think Paul is also praying for them to love each other more. Paul is praying something like this. Heavenly Father, would the Philippians fall more in love with you because they know you? Father, may their love for you extend to those around them. May they love you. May they love their church. May they love the lost by boldly sharing the gospel. And when we pray... Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would, would our church, our families, ourselves fall more and more in love with you because we're coming to know you better through the study of the scriptures? Would this love for you extend around us to our church family and each other, pressing onward beyond these doors, beyond this church community, beyond Noonan? We ought to pray for love. And secondly, in verse 10, for discernment. Paul prays, so that you may be able to discern what is best. If God is at work, and we can pray like God is at work, we can be confident that God is going to produce the best results. But we need to help discern how we are to follow after God. It's not just we would know the right things, we ought to pray we know the right things. That God would direct us in the right way. Not knowing everything will make you make the right decisions. Discerning, asking God. That word discern is the same word as test. To test what is good and right. When you sit down and you take a test, you try to figure out what the right answer is. When you're driving, you use the GPS like we've used a lot on our way here. If you don't go around the right way that they, the GPS tells you, it'll keep redirecting you until you take the right way. Paul wants the Philippians to test themselves. Test their hearts. Because like myself, we're all, all prone to be sinful. All prone to go our own way. All prone to be proud. All prone to be sinfully. And wanting to go in a way that is... Uh, in a disunity way, instead of turning to Christ. 
So we are to pray for discernment. And, and thirdly, verse 10, for purity. Paul adds, so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. This word pure is a, is a compound word. Basically, it's the same word for son, S-U-N, and judge. Paul is saying, would you be judged in the light of the, of the shining sun? and be found pure and blameless. Now what does he mean by this? This word pure was originally used to describe a piece of fine pottery that was judged in the light of the sun. And if you could see through the light of the sun, a very good pot wouldn't have any cracks in it. But in those times there would be devious traders, merchants, that would come along and they would try and conceal the cracks and the flaws of the expensive pottery with wax. And they would fill it from both sides and the underside. And if you were in a dark room and you felt it, you wouldn't feel anything. But the authenticity of the pottery was revealed when held up in light of the sun. A day is coming when Jesus will return. He will return. Judge the living and the dead bringing to light every dark thing we've hidden in our hearts. He will expose our motives and our flaws and all of our sins. He will expose our motives. So we need to pray for each other that on that day, we will each be found to be without cracks, without flaws, pure and smooth. In other words, you need to pray, Father, would Gary be less damaged? Would I be less damaged? Would you work out the cracks in our lives where sin seeps deep down within. Because we cannot fix ourselves. No matter what program you're on, no matter what master program YouTube has for you to work through, nothing can fix your cracks in your life like God can. And that brings me to my final thing we ought to pray for, verse 11, fruit. Paul prays in verse 11 that we would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The fruit of righteousness is a life that has been changed by Jesus. Has been changed by Jesus. And that life bears fruit. We tried, my wife and I, to grow vegetables. And if you do not give the vegetable seeds and the soil the right treatment, they will not grow. In fact, they will die, like many of our vegetables did. <laughs> a Christian bears fruit. A Christian bears fruit of righteousness, purity, faith. We can only bear the fruit of whole life righteousness if our lives have been first touched by the fruit of Christ's righteousness. Have you, friends, embraced Christ? Because if you have, you've changed. Your life, your, your, your dreams, your heart has been changed. Your fruit, and what I mean by that is the work that comes from your life bears righteousness that comes from God. Love and care for one's family. Love and care for one's community. 
Christ's righteousness is the seed planted in my stony heart that slowly pushes and breaks my rocky heart apart, bursting forth with a beautiful, beautiful sunflower, S-O-N, flower. And as we reflect more and more the qualities and attitudes of Jesus Christ, becoming more like him, what do we do? We accomplish the very last line in Paul's prayer. We bring glory and praise to God. So as I end, how should we pray? Gratefully, joyfully, confidently, affectionately. And we should pray for love, discernment, purity, and fruit. And we should pray like God is at work. In every one of your lives, God is at work, whether it is going smoothly. And for some of you, it might be going smoothly. And for some of you, it will be at a standing point. And you need to dig deep in with the Lord and ask him to show you his way. The royal... The royals in London issued a statement long ago um, when LeBron James was, was visiting the, the royal family. And LeBron James threw his arm around Duchess Kate. Um, and the statement read that he didn't break royal protocol. The senior communications officer for the Buckingham Palace said, when members of the royal family meet people, they want them to feel as comfortable as possible. There is no such thing as royal protocol. So it was okay for LeBron James to put his arm over Kate and embrace her. And if we pray gratefully, joyfully, confidently, affectionately for more love, more discernment, more purity, more fruit, it might sound too familiar. Like we're walking into a room with our parents and we're too familiar with them. And I want you to, I want you to understand because it is. We are to be familiar with him because he is our father. He is our king. We are to pray to the son. He is the king of kings. You will be able to throw your arm around Christ and he will throw his arm around you and then he will show you all the things he and the father and the spirit have been doing and will continue to do in your life and in the world. Imagine that day. Imagine today as you pray. I like to close with a memory verse, something for you to just think about. It's, this is a verse that we read this morning, but it's such a wonderful, wonderful verse that you can memorize to think about as you go about your week. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that in you we are able to move, and live, and have our being. We thank you that we can um, pour out our heart to you through Christ, in your strength, through the assistance of the Spirit. And Lord, for such things as God has promised, according to your word, for the good of the church, Lord, may we submit ourselves to you in faith to your will. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. We're going to sing a song together, a song of commitment. Lord, I need you. Is that correct? So we're going to ask you to stand. I'll be here at the front. Uh, as you respond to the word that God has brought, I just encourage you to be in a spirit of prayer. Always the altar is open. If you just want to take somebody by the hand and you want to come and pray, whether it be for the church or something specific you have, 
going on in your life. Let these words ring true. Lord, I need you. We all need the Lord. So let's worship together. Lord, I come. I confess. Now we seated. Um, so here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, our deacon of the week, Ryan, is going to come and pray. When he's done praying, a couple things. One, if you're a visitor uh, with us, at that time you all can be dismissed. So as we go into our business meeting, obviously only members uh, can vote. So after he prays, we'll have just a couple minutes of transition. Thank you so much for being here. Pray that the Lord spoke to your heart. Also, if you have kids in the nursery or children's church, we need you quickly to go get them and then come back in here so we can go into our church business meeting. So, Ryan, if you'll come and dismiss our service with prayer, and then you all can kind of make those transitions for just a moment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us this time to gather in your house, Lord. Lord, thank you for the power of prayer, Lord, that... It's through that that we can speak with you, that we can commune with you, Lord. Lord, thank you for the work that you do in us and continue to do in us, Lord. 
Lord, do ask that you do uh, just guide and direct us in this time, that we will clearly do what you are asking us to do, and that we will glorify your name, Lord. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.